We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We are obviously uh, still in the middle of uh, a COVID-19 pandemic and uh, hopefully, as Jonty was saying before, we will get back to level one uh, in the very short space of time. But something that's becoming quite obvious uh, in the news is um, these trials of drugs and they're trying to come up with a vaccine for this huge crisis that we're facing. And I can almost predict what's going to happen is that uh, somewhere along the line, some country, um, Russia's already claimed it, but we kind of doubt that somewhat, but, uh, you know, some country, some medical uh, facility is going to come up with a vaccine or a supposed vaccine for COVID-19. Now, when it does, I think the next thing that's going to happen is there are going to be a bunch of scientists that are going to analyse this and say, yes, it's safe, yes, let's roll it out right across the population, right around the world, but there will be sceptics, and there will be people that go, no, 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 don't take the vaccine because, you know, it's dangerous, and maybe it hasn't been tried out enough yet, and maybe it will give you COVID. Like, there will be true and false information around this at some point. Do you not agree? Do you think that's probably out, probably going to go, right? So accurate information is absolutely critical, isn't it? We, we don't want to um, roll out a vaccine that isn't effective or, even at worst, dangerous to the population and make the situation worse. So it does have to be scientifically backed up. It does need to be trialled properly. And that accurate information, because it's a matter of life and death, right? It's a matter of life and death for us, for, for the world's population. Now, likewise, we need to be diligent about the truth about who God is. We need to spend some time seeking it out. Why? Because the future of the whole world depends on it, basically. It really, really does matter. We think at the moment that maybe the main thing in the world is is COVID-19, but there are bigger things going on. There is your eternity at stake. There is an eternity of everyone around you is at stake. And the truth about who God is and the truth about the gospel and what God has done matters. So as you see on the slide behind me, we're going to explore this over the next few weeks. The truth is, what is the truth about God? How do we know that it's real? How do we know what we believe about God is true? Can we confidently share it with others as fact, as truth? And it's really important that we are confident in this and what we believe because it gives us a solid foundation of what we believe and why we believe it. Like, surely we don't want to believe lies, right? Surely we don't want to believe something that is false or something that's just a man-made idea. We want to believe what is true about God. So how do we know what is true about God? We'll be exploring that. And hopefully as we go through this series, it will give you some confidence in sharing your faith with other people that what you're sharing isn't just something that's changed your life or beneficial to your life, because that could be just some next self-help thing, right? But this is actually true. It's actually something that makes a difference for everybody in the world. And it's something that we have to adjust our lives to because it is real, it is true. And the passage we're going to look at in regard to that today 
is Romans chapter 1. So you can turn to it or you can follow it on the screen. I'm reading from the New Living Translation and it says this, Romans chapter 1 verse 18. Paul is writing to the uh, church at Rome and he's expressing his thoughts about how the people of the world are receiving the gospel, receiving this truth about God. He says this, But God showed his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 19, They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the creation, for ever since the world was created, uh, it's because I know another verse. <laughs> I've got to read what's here, not what, I, what I've memorized. Okay. Uh, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship, as, worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, instead, they became utter fools. Interesting passage of scripture. And what Paul is doing here is he's expressing quite strong language, a frustration he is observing as he's looking at the world around him. He's going, hey, let's have a conversation about what is true. Because he's a scholar. He has thought this through really thoroughly. He has invested his life in analyzing whether the claims of Christ are true. And he's found them to be true. And he's now telling other people, hey, you need to know this. This is fact. This is true. This is for the whole world. This is what God has done. And he's stunned that people aren't even prepared to engage in the conversation. Or they're coming up with some ridiculous ideas about God and what he's like and what he's done. And in many ways, even though this was written 2,000 years ago, isn't that so true today? Aren't we in the same situation? I don't know about you, but you try and have a conversation about um, the truth of Christianity with someone, and they kind of look blankly at you and go, well, yeah, okay, whatever. You know? have, you, have you discovered that? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. I think it's the, it's the 21st century way of suppressing the truth, as Paul talks about here. It's not that we are analyzing what the Bible has said or what Jesus has said or what Christianity, the truth that Christianity has held over the years and we've looked at it and gone, yeah, I've, I've, I've looked really thoroughly into this and I've decided that it's not true. It's that people don't even look. They, don't even, they, don't, they, haven't even, they can't make a decision whether it's true or not true. They just go, well, I don't, I don't even really care. And it's kind of mostly expressed and people saying to you, well, maybe, well, that's okay for you, but it's not for me. That's just another way of suppressing the truth. That's just a, another way of saying, well, it's not really true. Uh, it, it's, uh, I, I just want to keep you happy, but it's not really true. And what Paul is saying here is God is angry about this. He's angry at humanity's ignorance of and lack of awareness of, or even seeking out what is true. 
And there are consequences to that. We will experience judgment from God if we just go, oh, I don't think it matters. What God is saying is, this is matter. I have revealed myself. I have made myself known to you. So now you have some responsibility as to what you do with this information. And when we stand before God one day, I don't think it's going to sort of cut it if we kind of go, well, yeah, I just didn't really give you too much thought, you know. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, it's just not going to work, is it? So it shocks Paul, and it should shock us that we live in a world that isn't even seeking what the answer is. It's, it, this, this matters. It really, really does matter. And there's some amazing examples of people all down through our history who have um, very well thought out people, people who are scholars and philosophers and university lecturers that have analysed this and gone and, and completely had a change of heart. Now, not all of them, I appreciate that. And for there could be a variety of reasons. When you're in a conversation with someone, there could be a variety of reasons why people don't want to embrace the truth of Christianity. But the first step we've got to do in this process, in this conversation, is at least have the conversation. There's a very powerful movie out at the moment um, called The Case for Christ. And it's a story about how Lee Strobel, who was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune, a really uh, a, a, a well-respected uh, journalist around uh, 20, 30 years ago. And uh, he was in Chicago, and his wife became a Christian. And he, he was just scathing of it. She, he was just like, going, oh, you're ridiculous. It's all mumbo-jumbo. You, know, you can't believe that rubbish. And so she goes, well, just check it out. And so as an investigative journalist, he checked it out. He, he looked at it. He talked to a whole lot of people. He looked at the scriptures. He analyzed it. And now he's one of the strongest advocates of Christianity because he discovered it to be true. Another one is a guy called C.S. Lewis who wrote a lot of writings, wrote um, The Tales of Narnia, is probably one of the ones that you might, he's most famous for. He was an Oxford scholar. He was an Oxford professor. And uh, in medieval literature, which is kind of, you can sort of pick that up as you're, as you're reading the tales of Narnia. But he also wrote many theological books because he was an atheist, but he was challenged by some of his friends like J.R. Tolkien, um, who wrote The Lord of the Rings and people like that, to e examine the claims of Christianity. And when he did, he discovered the truth of who Jesus was. And then he became a very passionate advocate of that truth and in his book mere christianity he uh, he says this quote which uh expresses some of the frustration he has as he looks at other people who aren't willing to explore the claims of christianity it's quite a long quote but it's it's, it's worth reading uh so c.s lewis of mere christianity says this i am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about jesus I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's what he's saying other people say. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. 
Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool, you can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great moral teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. What is C.S. Lewis saying here? He's saying something very powerful. What he's saying is that when Jesus was here on earth, he didn't claim to be a great moral teacher. He didn't say, hey, um, I've really got life sorted out. If you just follow these instructions, you'll be all good. That's primarily not what Jesus was about. Jesus came and he said, I am God. I have come to reveal God to you. That's what Jesus says. That's that's what he did. And what C.S. Lewis is here is saying is you either accept that as truth or you say, well, he was lying and there's no evidence to back it up. Or you look at his life and you go, there is evidence to back it up. See, the, the point that Lewis is making here is this is either true or it's not true, right? You have to make a decision. You can't sit on the fence on this one. And so many people today want to sit on the fence and go, oh, well, it could be true or it could be not true or it doesn't really matter. Well, no, Jesus didn't leave that option open to us. He said, you either accept me or you reject me. That's fine. You've got that choice. Decide either way, but go one way or the other. Because when you stand before God on Judgment Day, that's, that's what you'll be questioned on. It's not just that it's beneficial to us believing in Christ. It's that it's true. So let us not be foolish people who suppress the truth. Let's be people that seek out the truth and know why and how we believe it to be true. Another important point that Romans 1 makes is how we come to know the truth about God. Like, how do we know the Bible's true? How do we know what Jesus has revealed is true? And this this is a really important question because it's a question that you need to have settled in, in your own mind as well as when you're sharing your faith with others. They'll say, well, how do you even know it's to be true? How can we be sure of that? Well, the only way we can know any truth about God, and even secular philosophers would say this, is that we can only know anything about God when God reveals himself to us. Now, why is that the case? Well, it's just logical. Because if God is God, he's a creator. He's not the created. He made us, we didn't make him, right? A whole lot of people want to create God by their ideas and things like that. But no, if God is God, if he is true, if he is the creator of the world, then it stands to reason that we, the finite being, we don't live forever, we're not God, we're not as powerful as him, we're not going to understand who he is without him making himself known to us in a way that we understand. Does that make sense? So God has to reveal himself to us. So the the theological word we use for that is it's the understanding of revelation or God making himself known to us. So how do we know what the Bible says is true? How do we know that what Jesus says is true? Because there is a claim both from Scripture and from Christ that he is revealing God, that the knowledge that 
comes through Christ, that comes through the Scripture, is revealed by God himself. It wasn't made up. It's God making himself known to us. Now we go, well, how do we know that that's the case? Well, as the Scripture says, one of the obvious things is we can look at creation and go, well, how did it get here? How can we live in this amazing, beautiful, creative, complex world? It's an example of what theologians call general revelation. You know, you can look at the world around you and go, there was obviously a God who created it. You can look through history and see God working through history, in particular his nation Israel and how he's worked through the nation of Israel and delivered them from Egypt and things like that. And we've got a record of that in the Old Testament. But there are other clues that we have which we call general revelation, which C.S. Lewis um, wrote a lot about this, is that we have a conscience. You just think about that for a moment. That we're not just like animals that just live by impulse, but we have a moral conscience. We understand what is good and what is bad. Lewis would say, well, where did we get that sense of good and bad from? Was it just developed um, you know, over many centuries of communities living together? Well, no, it can't be that way because there's this moral impulse is somewhat uniform all around the world, which is an indicator that there was a God, a moral God, a good God who created us. So we know what is good and we know what isn't. Also this sense right around the world that there is something more to life than what we're experiencing. That religious interest, so to speak, that sense of that there is something more. All of those are indicators of general revelation. But they're not enough to, for us to actually know God. If that's all we had, we'd still be guessing. God had to personally reveal himself to us. We have to have a, a deeper understanding of knowing God personally. So God had to show up. God had to make himself known in a very real way. One example of that is in the Old Testament, so it's going back about 4,000 years now, is God literally showed up and met with his people Israel on Mount Sinai. He actually, his presence was there. He actually spoke to them. And they were like, okay, okay, God, you're real. Like, you know, there was this revelation of who God was. So there was a, a, an understanding that developed among the Jews of this amazing creator God and who he was. But the greatest revelation we have, of course, is Jesus. We'll come to that a little bit in a moment, but I want to just help you see the progression here that some people, they'll get a appreciation of general revelation that, yeah, maybe God exists, and maybe I need to discover who he is. And then it's helping them go on a journey of going, okay, you've got some good questions there. Now let's have a look at what, who God has revealed himself to be. You don't need to jump to scripture that quickly. You just need to say, well, do you think God has made himself known to humanity at any point down through history? Interesting uh, story in regard to this. When I was um, 21, I traveled overseas. I did my big OE as a single guy just out there checking out the world. And I spent about six weeks in Nepal and did some trekking up in the mountains and things like that. But the interesting thing is in 1991 in, in Nepal, it was still a Hindu state. It wasn't, um, they, it was ruled by a king. 
um, the whole uh, didn't really have a, a government as, as we would know it. It was basically run as a religious state. So you couldn't, you weren't allowed to be of a different religion in Nepal. You had to be Hindu. That was just the way it was. Um, it's since changed. They had elections soon after and it all changed. But um, at that time, that was what it was like. And I was walking past this shop. Um, now, when you say a shop in Nepal at that time, it was basically a tin shack and um, with some stuff hanging outside of it. And I heard some Hillsong music playing. Now, that's pretty weird, right? You know, like you're, 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 you're walking through this Hindu nation with temples and things everywhere, and you, you hear some Hillsong music. Now, it wasn't that they weren't using the words, they were just using just um, the instrumental, but of course I recognised the tune. So I went into this shop, and I said, hey, how you doing? And yeah, 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 good, good. And I said, um, this music you're playing, and then he got really nervous, because he was actually breaking the law, um, playing this Christian music, you see. And I went, oh, it doesn't matter, I'm from New Zealand, I'm a Christian, um, are you a Christian? And he goes, oh, yeah, come out with me. So, so we, we, it was kind of like snuck out the back. So we literally sat in these stools out the back of his shop, um, met his family, uh, lovely guy. He, he went by um, well, his English name he called Philip. So, so he told, and we, we spent hours chatting together. I said, but how? Like, explain to me how you have become a Christian in the midst of a Hindu nation. Like, there's no churches here. There's no opportunity for you to hear the gospel. And so he told me a story. He was, um, as, as many Nepalese do, he was a porter. Um, so he carried the, the packs and things like that for Western travelers who were trekking up in the mountains. And he said, oh, I, um, I, was, I, was, I was porting, uh, you know, carrying these packs for these guys. And I just sensed that there was something different about them. There was something I needed to know. And I said, well, what drew you to that? And he says, well, look at this. And behind him, there's this is in Pokhara in Nepal, if you've ever been there, there's this, this amazing backdrop of the Himalayas, like right behind you. It's just stunning. And, um, and he goes, I looked at creation and I went, I have to worship the creator. See, Hinduism believes that there's many, many gods. But he went, I don't know which god to, to, to worship, so I'm going to just worship the god who created the world that I live in because it's amazing, it's beautiful. That's an example of general revelation, right? But... Because he started to do that, his heart was open to receiving God's special revelation. How we know God um, personally. And how that happened is after they'd um, carried all the packs and things for this, I think it was a group of Americans, they invited all the porters back to this hotel to give them, to pay them and to give them, a, give them some food and just thank them and stuff like that. And on the coffee table of this um, of this hotel room was a Bible. And a voice inside, he said it was as clear as anything, a voice inside my head said, you've got to get that Bible. You've got to get that. He didn't know it was a Bible. He said, you've got to get that book. And, and so he said to these American guys, he goes, can I pay you for this, this book? And they went, of course, being Christians, they're like, no, 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 you can have the book. But he just sensed that this was a really precious book to have. So he goes, look, I'm prepared to pay you everything that I've earned from you over the last few weeks just if I can get the book. And they're like, seriously, you can have the book for free. you know. Uh, so he got hold of the Bible, but of course it's in English. So then he had to go and learn English so he could understand the Bible. So this took a few years, but eventually he became a Christian, which is very, very cool. And it just goes, it just shows an example of how 
God wants to reveal himself, right, to people. And if our hearts are open to receiving the truth of who he is, if we see that general revelation, he'll give us more his specific revelation or special revelation. And what is that? That's the scriptures that we have. And primarily, it's Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the greatest revelation of God that we've ever received. It's the clearest um, picture we have of God. In John 1 verse 18, it says this, No one has seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Do you get that? So one of the reasons that Jesus came to earth was to save us from our sins, yes. But another big purpose of Jesus coming is so that we would know what God is like. We would get to know who God is. John 14, verse 6, it says this, Jesus told him, this is the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Absolute statement, by the way. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had known, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. It's like a whole lot of people in the world say that. Just show me God, and I'll believe. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Boom, there it is. In other words, what Jesus is saying is if you want to see what God's like, here I am. Colossians says that Jesus is an exact representation of God. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the, I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me is doing his work through me. We know what we know about God through what God has revealed to us. We are not claiming to be the source of all knowledge about God as Christians. We are simply passing on the revelation that we've received. And that revelation is Jesus, the exact representation of God. And this is so important. Many th people think that we believe ideas about God just because it's been made up by the church over many, many years. No, it's actually not important what the church has said over the years. What's important is what Jesus has revealed about God. We're not followers of the church. We're followers of Jesus. The church is just the family that has gathered around this truth of who God is. And we need to make a decision on this. We, you either accept that what Jesus has revealed is true or it's not. That's the choice that you've made. But you can't kind of, as C.S. Lewis says before, you can't kind of take this middle position and go, oh, it doesn't really matter. No, it does matter. It's a matter of life and death. And what Jesus is doing here, notice that he, he makes this absolute statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through me. Now that's an absolute statement. So you can't say when people go, oh, well, you know, you can have your religion and I've got my religion over here and, you know, we'll, we'll all get there in the end. 
Well, no, that's, that's not what Jesus says. I'm sorry, but there's, this is an absolute statement. It's either true or false. So God has revealed himself to us. The truth matters. The other important thing that Romans 1 points out is this. How we respond to that truth matters. Not that we just know it, but are we going to respond to it? And Paul is observing the world around him and he's going, you utter fools. Jesus, who is God, was actually living and walking and breathing among you and said that he was God. The greatest representation that you've ever had of God was right before your eyes and you missed it. How could you be so foolish? You know, repent of your foolishness and, and seek out the truth of who God is again. Because as you do that, as you respond to what God has revealed, you come into a relationship with God. And then truth becomes even clearer to you. Don't know if you've discovered that as a, as a Christian. If you've, especially if you've come to faith as an adult, you would have experienced this, that you would have had a whole lot of questions about Christianity and the claims of Christ and, and what, he's, what he's made, and you're trying to figure it all out. Well, I, was ho- I hope that you're trying to figure it all out. And, and as you're going on that journey, you would have had a whole lot of questions. But at some point, when you did, as we were sharing about before, you surrendered and go, okay, God, you are true. Uh, C.S. Lewis actually talks about this moment where he was sitting in front of his fireplace, just looking at the flames, and he was just in his armchair, and, and he says, okay, God, I give up. Basically, he had, he had done all the research, he had done all the thinking through, and, and he went, okay, I, I can't deny that you're true. So it's not that he even really wanted to follow God, he was just like going, well, I just give up because I just got, haven't got any other arguments against you, so, so I give up. And in that moment, God met with him. And there is a moment in our lives where we surrender to the truth of who God is. And when we do that, we come into a relationship with God. We actually get to know him personally. Because God is a person that we can really know in a real way. And then it's like he, he gives us a knowledge and the whole thing makes sense. You experienced that? Like when I, before I was a Christian, I used to read the Bible and go, hey, this kind of makes sense to me. And then I, I surrendered to God. I came into a relationship with him. And suddenly the whole thing just became really obvious. It was like, oh, how did I not see that before? It's because the Holy Spirit is in us, leading us into all truth. And so the truth becomes even clearer. But the point is that we, need to respond to the revelation that's given. As Romans says, none of us have an excuse. And certainly if you're sitting here today, you don't have any excuse. You can't stand before God one day and go, I never heard the truth because here it is. God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of your life, for you to put your full trust in him and what he's done for you to redeem you of your sin, to bring you into the life that God has for you. And it is only a relationship that with Jesus 
that secures your eternity in heaven. It is only, as he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is only through Jesus that you will know God. And the decision that you have to make today is, will you turn from living your life your way and live it God's way? That's the decision. Will you trust in your ability to live your life or will you trust in his ability to give you life? That's the first decision that you have to make. That's the first response that we ought to have to God, what God is revealing. But even if we know that, even if we have come into that, that knowledge of who God is, and we're experiencing that relationship, then we are morally obligated to share that truth with others. Because if it's true for us, and if, if it is not just true for us, if it's true, then it's true for everyone, right? A truth is a truth because it's true for everyone. And so having those conversations, I encourage you to have those conversations with people. And as I've kind of gone down that track and had some of these conversations with people, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, a year or so ago, I was on a plane and talking to this girl who we were flying back from Auckland, and... Um, and she wasn't a Christian at all. She wasn't really interested. And she goes, look, I don't really want to, okay, you're a pastor because, you know, you kind of talk about who you are and all that sort of thing. Now, sometimes you think that might go well for me. It doesn't always go well for me, okay? Um, sometimes people are very open to talking to pastors. Other times you say you're a pastor and there's almost like this wall just goes, shoop, and it's like, okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. You're a religious nut, you know? So um, I don't, they don't say that. They just kind of look the other way and, put their headphones in. Um, so, but sometimes I get to have some open conversations with her. She goes, look, I, I don't really want to get into the, the Bible. I, I don't know if that's true or not and all that sort of thing. So I didn't, I didn't even go down that track. You don't have to go down that track. I just, I just posed to her. I just said, well, how do you know if God's real or not? She went, ah, oh, well, he, he could be. And I said, well, here's my challenge. Why don't you pray? And she goes, oh, I suppose you could. I said, what harm can it do? Like, just pose it to people like that and just go, why don't you pray, God, make yourself known to me? What have you got to lose? Like, if God's not real, well, then nothing's going to happen, right? And they go, oh, yeah, fair enough. And I said, if God is real, it might just surprise you. And, and I know from talking to a whole lot of other people that, God is into surprising people when they pray a prayer like that. Because <laughs> God wants to reveal himself to them. So be willing to have those conversations. You don't have to go from zero to ten in one go. You know, you don't have to go from them being an atheist to being a Christian. That doesn't usually happen in one conversation. But just open the conversation about, hey, have you ever considered the claims of Christianity? Have you ever thought about God and whether he's true or not? Have that discussion and see if you can bring them to the point where they'll at least ask the question. Because so many people in our culture at the moment aren't even willing to ask the question. They just sort of shrug their shoulders and go, oh, I don't think it really matters. I have huge respect for people that have investigated and, and made a decision on this. Now, one way or the other, if you've investigated it and you go, well, I don't believe in what Jesus has said, I don't believe he's true, I don't believe he's come from God, I go, well, at least I respect that you thought it through. 
But as C.S. Lewis says, to not even think it through when it's the the most life-changing and life-altering and life-impacting decision that you ever make, then surely we've got to look at it. So here's the question I I pose to you today. If, If you know Christ, it's this. Are you passionate about the fact that Christianity is true? It not only works for you, but it's true. Your your faith is based on something of substance. It's based on what God has revealed. And because it is that, because it is true, not only for you, but for everybody, then we're to look for opportunities to share that truth with others. Our passion for that truth ought to um, induce a, a conversation that people go, well, what is it about you? Why are you so passionate about it? And then you're prepared to give them an answer. God is so willing to reveal himself to people in the world all around you. But are we willing to take that message out? Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.